as further contemplation and clarification of the pragmatic theory of the meaning of words, as I expressed to you by the meaning of words being their usefulness, I'll be contemplating some examples uh, developed by the 20th century analytic philosopher Willard Van Orman Quine in his paper, The Two Dogmas of Empiricism, and some other writings, and a, some illustrations and text that I put on the webpage on the Philosophy of Language podcast uh, webpage. They consist of an illustration entitled My Parisian Wife and Mother-in-Law and a uh, quotation of Quine's uh, wording of the concept of Quine's fabric. Quine uh, used the example of the art of translation to bring out the fact that when trying to use and to translate words, there is never only one single possibility, and that really the object, act, use, or whatever to which a word may or may not be observed to reference is meaningless. Uh, let us assume a linguist is trying to translate the private language of the escaped child from my last podcast into English and begins by trying to find out what the escaped child's use of the word Galvani means. The linguist observes that the child uses the word Galvani when seeing a rabbit. Based on this observation, it seems that Galvani simply translates into rabbit. However, as Quine points out and as brought out in my earlier duck-rabbit illustration example, the linguist is unavoidably misled by his own language and by his own experience when he unavoidably makes direct comparisons between the child's foreign private language and his own language. When shouting Galvani and pointing to a rabbit, the child could as well be referring to something like undetached rabbit parts furry animal running, rabbit mystical demons that he worships, a particular rabbit that bit him when he was younger, or his fear of rabbits, or any one of these based on the day or time of day since the child was always alone and never had to anchor words to any use. It would not make any observable difference to the linguist as to what, uh, if any of these situations were applying. The behavioral, behavioral data the linguist collects from the child would be the same in every case of these examples that I brought up, and thus several translations could derive from the same use or uses of the word. The reference between the term Galvani and its referring object or act is not dependent on reality outside of the language of the linguist or of the child, but completely dependent on the linguist's successful use of his language to achieve the same results as the child's use of its words. Quine's intent by this example is not to show that foreign speakers might speak in interesting different ways and we cannot know about it, but rather that there is nothing to know. It is the translator's, translator's successful use of words to achieve certain results that are the meaning of the translations, just as the child's successful use of words to achieve certain goals or acts from the translator are now the meaning of the child's words as it gives up its private language, or better yet, as it transforms into the English language set of words in which their meaning is their usefulness. Not only is it impossible to discern by any method the correct, correct translation and referential relationship of Galvani, but in fact, there's not even a correct answer to this question. 
to make sense of the word Garvani at any time, the linguist simply has to use the word so that it is associated with the child always pointing to a rabbit. If useful for that purpose, rabbit and Garvani have the same translational meaning until something happens differently when the word is used. That is, the child does not successfully simply point to a rabbit. It is important to note that indeterminacy and inscrutability of translation not only occur in the course of translating something from an unknown language into a familiar one, but among every language, including when talking to ourselves. When talking with someone or others, we can never exactly say whether what we are talking about is the same as what the other person is talking about. All we know is that based on experience, the use of the word rabbit, for, for example, should successfully be associated by certain acts or experiences. A drawing of some rabbit we saw, hunger for rabbit stew, or trying to find a rabbit. Whether this association is shared with whatever is out there can only be known by successful use of the word, whether the association actually occurs what if we say to someone rabbit with the intent of eating rabbit stew, but instead they looked around for a rabbit? We have to change the words we use, add, add to them, or amend them in some way. This is the problem with translation. The words do not really reference anything other than the successful use of the words, and the words only have meaning within a framework of other words and the intentions and successful use of those words. If the framework or any part of the framework changes, then the framework overall and other parts of the framework have, have changed or must change to have meaning. Every word is like a thread in a large fabric. Pull one thread loose or out and the entire fabric is weakened. One can keep untreading the fabric or replace the thread to get the fabric back to its original strength. This is known as Quine's fabric. I've put he put it in a much more eloquent, eloquent summary, and I have uh, quoted this summary on the Philosophy of Language webpage. For ex continuing, I previously used the example of the duck rabbit as one final attempt to use words to contemplate something of which we should be silent. I have also put on the Philosophy of Language webpage another illustration called My Parisian Wife and Mother-in-Law that is more difficult to discern discern than the duck rabbit. The Parisian wife comes across clearly, usually, to even a casual observer. However, translating this symbol into the words Parisian wife, based on the casual observation, is error. If I tell you to concentrate on the chin as a nose, the mother-in-law comes out. So is the correct translation Parisian mother-in-law. One can cheat and say the correct translation is Parisian wife, mother-in-law, but how do you know that you are not missing another image? The answers do not matter as long as the words successfully bring out what you are seeing based on your experience and that I intend for you to see. We use a word based on the experience of past successful use in a framework of words in order to achieve the same successful use in the future. If we remember the experience incorrectly or have limited experience, the word may have a completely different purpose now than before and thus have a different meaning. Independent of successful use of the word, 
Even we ourselves in a completely private language do not know what it is to which we are referring in using the word because in Quine's uh, summary quotation, there is no fact of the matter at all, close quotation mark, to which the word refers independent of our successful use of it. The word or any word only reflects success in the intended purpose for using the word. For example, when the child was alone and used the word rabbit to refer to a rabbit, even the child can never be certain that it always did that or always will, especially given that it was alone. Tomorrow it could randomly and arbitrarily decide to use the word rabbit to refer to water for a few days. That is why this private language can never be any type of public language, such as English. Does this mean that we are back to solipsism? Am I contradicting myself now by saying that reason only gives meaning derived from successful use of words? I do not think so. Successful use of words by necessity implies that there's something out there trying to block the successful use of words. If we're simply alone, if we're simply a child creating a private language, we could create whatever we word, words we wanted, use them however we want them, and they would not create a, a language. Uh, the only words would have the only words that would have any meaning would be those words that we used to contemplate the I am, the I am not, and our will, will for power. And the meaning of those words would be their own meaning, existence. Once the three existential premises of reality are used to create logic and reason and we start the struggle for survival and the will to power, the uh, language created by reason and logic is, is both incomplete and inconsistent. It is incomplete because it does not take in the words that we have just discussed, in which the words are their own meaning, their existence is their meaning, the words where, whereof one cannot speak and therefore should be silent, but about which we still try and must try to speak about in order to be human. The words created by logic and reason are inconsistent because when they try to explain themselves, the, the words created by reason and logic as a tool to survive in life, once they decide to survive in life, they create contradiction because they start stating absolute truth that the meaning of words is their use, thus contradicting their own words. A pragmatic theory of meaning solves both problems as far as I'm concerned. Using the words and language created by logic and reason to survive in life as useful tools to survive in life and assist the will to power and its goals is what these tools were designed to do, and when used, they're neither incomplete nor inconsistent. They become incomplete or inconsistent only when used for incomplete or inconsistent intentions. Uh, logic, reasons, are tools of the will, of intent. If these words were used to try to reach absolute truths regarding the words whose meaning is existence, such as when contemplating I am, the I am not, or the will of power, they would be both incomplete or inconsistent if we are seeking absolute truths. But admittedly, in this issue, the best we can do is analogies. Uh, reason, along with irrationality, and imagination and creativity in both are the best we can do when discussing 
the three essential premises of reality. No way around the fact that in the I am, therefore I think, that the I am comes first. For the I think, whereof we cannot speak, we should be silent, but we can't. <laughs>